verse 1, And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written, or literally a scroll written, within and on the backside, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? And no man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And I wept much, because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent forth into all the earth and he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne when he had taken the book the four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the lamb having every one of them harps and golden vowels full of odors which are the prayers of saints they sung a new song saying thou art worthy to take the book open the seals thereof for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred tongue and people and nation has made us unto our God kings and priests and we shall reign on the earth and I beheld and, lo and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne of the beast the elders and the number of them was ten thousand times ten thousand and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing and every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea, and all that are in them, heard I saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts said, Amen. The four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever. And I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard, as it were, the noise of thunder, one of the four beasts saying, Come and see. Let's pray. Father, we thank you right now for your awesome word. Inspire us, God, speak to us. Anoint us, O oh God, we pray. We thank you, Lord God, that we are your people. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. In the name of the Lord. <clears throat> Revelation chapter 5, again, is an extension of Revelation chapter 4. Is the context for everything that follows after it. It is the seal scroll in the hand of the one who's on the throne. Amen. Do you understand this? He gives it to Jesus who opens it. Now, we'll talk about that in just a minute. Are we talking about different people here? No, we're not talking about different people. But let's talk about, look at verse 1 again, please, so you'll know where I am. I saw on the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within, on the backside sealed with seven seals. This is, this book right here, this sealed scroll is going to be opened up. Daniel, in the prophet Daniel, he was told... To seal up the book until the time of the end. So what Daniel was told to seal up, John is, is seen here uh, as being unsealed. The book is unsealed, okay? The timing here is the beginning of the tribulation period. When you have the opening of the seals, you have the beginning of the seven-year tribulation period. It is known as Daniel's 70th week. Okay, without getting into a lot of conversation here, there are some people who debate the fact whether or not there is a gap between the 69th week of Daniel 
And Jesus came and rode into Jerusalem. And then the 70th week, uh, which, you know, has the church in between his first coming and then the church age. And then the 70th week, the tribulation period. Some people don't believe that there's a gap between the 69 and the 70th week. Um, I believe that the 70 weeks of Daniel are fulfilled in the past, in the present, and in the future. Okay? All a prophecy has a past, present, and future fulfillment to it. Okay? It has a beginning fulfillment. It has a progressive fulfillment. And it has an ultimate fulfillment. If you miss that, you miss so much of the Bible. Okay? So having said that, I am teaching this not from the fulfillment in the days of Christ, the 70th week of Daniel, but I'm teaching it from the ultimate viewpoint. You with me here? And we'll kind of digress and we'll talk a little bit about how Daniel's 70 weeks were fulfilled or the 70th week was fulfilled when Jesus came and died on the cross. So we'll kind of go back to the redemptive point of view here at the same time. But the focus is going to be the future seven-year tribulation period. Known as Daniel's 70th week. It begins with the opening of the seals in the book of Revelation. It puts you in a seven-year period of time, which is future for the earth, called the tribulation period. The last three and a half years of that seven-year period of time is known as the great tribulation in the Word of God. All right? The seven-year tribulation period, which begins with the opening of these seven seals. Okay, are you here with me? And by the time you have the seventh seal opened, one seal per year. So the first year covers the first seal. The second year covers the second seal. And on through until you get to the seventh seal. The seventh seal brings you to the beginning of the seventh year. In the seventh seal, when it's opened up, there is seven trumpets that are sounded. Okay? So the seven trumpets are within the seventh seal. Like a telescope. And that's at the, in the seventh year, when that seventh seal is open the seventh year then the trumpets begin to sound that when the seventh trumpet sounds then seven angels come forth with seven bowls of wrath so in the seventh trumpet you find seven bowls of wrath okay the seven bowls of wrath take you into the day of the Lord when the seventh trumpet sounds Jesus returns Catches his church out to meet him in the air and then returns back with them to the earth at the seventh trumpet. Then the bowls of wrath begin to be poured out. It's post-tribulational. The bowls of wrath are poured out beyond the seven-year tribulation period. And that's when you have the worldwide wrath of God, which is connected to the battle of Armageddon. It is known as the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord is when Jesus comes back and fights the battle of Armageddon and pours out the bowls of wrath. And that's post-tribulational. It's beyond the seven-year tribulation period. Do you understand that? <clears throat> okay. Now, let's talk about this. Let's get an understanding of what I'm saying here. When you see this scroll, this seven-sealed Biblios, this seven-sealed Bible, this seven-sealed book, what you have here, some people teach and I have shared this with you in the past, that the seals are internal. They're inside of the book. So as you open the first seal, you read the contents in 
that's under the first seal. Then you open the scroll a little bit further and you come to a second seal. It's broken. And then you can read the contents under the second seal. You unroll the scroll a little further, come to the third seal. It's broken and you read the contents under it. And so they see these seals as internal in, inside the book itself. But John, when he saw the scroll, he saw the seals. He saw the seals before the book was ever opened. So the seven seals are on the outside of the scroll instead of inside of the scroll. Each one of the seals, if, if I had a seal or a scroll up here, I'd show you. In fact, let me just share this with you. Men who know ancient manuscripts and know scrolls, the way they're laid out and the way they were sealed, will tell you there is no such thing as an internal seal within the book. That the seals were always on the outside of the scroll. All right? So what you would do then, you would have to open the seven seals before the book would ever be opened. You with me here? The seven seals have to be broken or loosed before the book is ever open. And so if the seven seals are broken, the book's not even open until you get to the end of the tribulation period. Because the seventh seal is in association with the seventh year. You understand? And so when you're breaking these seals, then it takes you all the way through the tribulation period. There are conditions that must take place before the book's even open. And the book is in connection with the day of the Lord and His kingdom. Do you understand that? All right. And it's going to be awesome to you if you'll hang with me here. The seven-year tribulation period is not the day of the Lord. That's the seals. The day of the Lord is beyond the tribulation period. The worldwide wrath of God is beyond the tribulation period. It's connected to the battle of Armageddon. When the seals are opened, okay, first seal, first year of the tribulation period, what you have then is have judgments that take place. These seals are judgments. And these seals are wrath. But they're not like you think wrath. Okay? When you talk about the wrath of God in the Bible, the Bible says that we are not appointed under wrath. 1 Thessalonians 5. We're not appointed under wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so, if this seven-year tribulation period is the wrath of God, then the conclusion is that the church is not going to go into one year of that tribulation period. Because the Bible says we're not appointed under wrath. Now, what you need to understand is that when the Bible talks about wrath, it uses four Hebrew words. The word that talks about we're not appointed under wrath is the worldwide wrath of God. It's the overflowing fury of God that's going to come upon the whole world. But there are words in the Hebrew Old Testament that are translated wrath that simply mean severe discipline. When the seal judgments open up, it is Jacob's trouble. 
It is the severe discipline of God against Israel. Specifically against the city Jerusalem. Severe discipline. So each one of these seals that are open take you through the seven year tribulation period where God's severe judgment and severe discipline is going to be poured out on Israel. The fourth word that by the Hebrew word, and I'm going to give you these words in just a minute. There is a word, a Hebrew word that means the overflowing fury of God that never comes on Israel and never comes on the Jewish people. It only comes upon the Gentiles, the unbelieving Gentiles. And it's connected with the day of the Lord, not the tribulation period. Okay? So God hasn't appointed us unto that overflowing fury and wrath of God that is the day of the Lord that's post-tribulational. We know that. But He hasn't promised us that we won't go through the severe discipline time, seven-year tribulation period, uh, when God disciplines Israel. Now what God's going to do is He's going to take that severe discipline of that seven-year tribulation period that He's pouring out on Israel, and He's going to transfer it to the Gentiles in a worldwide wrath at the battle of Armageddon. Okay. You understand that? Let me give you the words. I'm going to give you the Strong's Concordance, uh, the words here, so you'll understand what I'm telling you here, that the worldwide wrath of God, the overflowing fury of God is post-tribulational. It's connected with the day of the Lord, and the day of the Lord is beyond the seven-year tribulation period. Okay? I'm going to give you the words, and you can check it out for yourself. All right. Uh, if you got a concordance, how many you know what a concordance is? In a concordance, it tells you if you want to find a certain passage in the Bible, you look up the word, and this strong, exhaustive concordance will tell you where to find these particular passages in the Bible, right? But at the back of the strong concordance, there is a dictionary, a Hebrew dictionary for the Old Testament, Hebrew and Aramaic, and a Greek dictionary for the New Testament, okay? And so... When you look up a particular word and a particular passage you want to study, beside it you'll see this strange number. And that strange number takes you to the back of Strong's Concordance. And that strange number gives you a definition for that word in the Hebrew or the Greek. Okay? So, just throw that in for you, for all you people who want to study the Bible. And so when you talk about Strong's numbering, you're talking about what the words mean in the original language. Okay, let me give you four of them here. With the opening of the seven seals, it begins Daniel's 70th week of the tribulation period. But it does not put you into the wrath of God, the overflowing, overflowing fury wrath of God, day of the Lord. Okay? It puts you into the time of severe discipline on Israel. It's Jacob's trouble. Here are the words, okay? Strong's number 2534. You can check this out for yourself. 2534 C-H-E-M-A-H It means hot displeasure or indignation. Okay? Hot displeasure or indignation. Strong's number 2740 is C-H-A-R-O-N It means heat or burning anger. Heat or burning anger. It's when God gets angry. Okay? 7110. 
G-E-T-S-E-P-H. Ketseth. Indignation or wrath. And then the fourth one, 5678, is E-B-R-A-H. Ebra. And this is the strongest of the four. And it's only used in connection to the day of the Lord. It's never used in connection with God's severe discipline on Israel in the tribulation period. It's always in connection with the day of the Lord, which is in connection with the battle of Armageddon. You hear what I'm saying? All four of these words are translated at times in the Old Testament into the English as wrath. Okay? So, when we come to the Word of God, then we think, because the Bible clearly uses not the strong fourth word, Ebra, uh, for the tribulation period. It uses it for the day of the Lord. Are you with me? But we read about the wrath of God in connection with the seal judgments. We read about the wrath of God in connection with what happens in that seven-year tribulation period. And we jump to a conclusion that that is the day of the Lord wrath of God that we're not appointed to. And it's not. Because this Ebra word here, wrath of God, is the day of the Lord wrath beyond the seven-year tribulation period. The other words that are used for the seven-year time frame concerning His fury and His anger and His discipline and His fiery indignation is the words, the, the previous words, that are not the severe wrath of God that's worldwide. It's only the wrath of God on Israel. You understand what I'm saying? Praise God. That's good stuff, man. You don't know how good that is. Do you know how good that is? Praise God. And I've studied a lot of commentaries yesterday. And I read a lot of things. Okay? And uh, this is probably one of the most important things that I discovered yesterday. Is these Hebrew words they're different different okay so we're not a point under wrath and the pre-tribulation will say well see we're not a point under wrath so we can't go in the tribulation period hello you won't experience the day of the Lord wrath but you will see this the anger of God in fact you've seen the anger of God throughout history you've seen the judgment of God throughout history you saw his wrath throughout history but that didn't put you in the day of the Lord God's the Bible says God is angry with the wicked every day and I assume that could be translated wrath God is wrathful with the sinner every day with the wicked every day and we're not in the tribulation period we're not in the day of the Lord in its ultimate sense okay are y'all awake now that's good stuff Praise the Lord. I'm not patting myself on the back. I'm, I, I'm patting God on the back. I'm saying, way to go, God, man. You know, you're just awesome, God. Mm-hmm. How I many y'all love Jesus today? So when you get through the seven-year tribulation period, then what you have there and throughout the Word of God, and I'm going to give you examples, by the way, of these words being used in the Bible. You're going to see the severe discipline of God upon Israel, and then when you get beyond that, you're going to see the wrath of God that is, oh, earthwide, okay? 
and it's on the Gentiles. That's what I'm not appointed to. Okay? With me here still? Hallelujah. Y'all are thinking again. I'm going to try to prove all this, by the way. Okay? Ezekiel 14, 19, it says, Or if I send a pestilence into that land and pour out my fury upon it in blood to cut off to cut off I, I made my view uh, too big here I have to shrink me down a little bit praise with me get me down to 200% get back up here here's some examples Ezekiel 14, 19, or if I send a pestilence into that land and pour out my fury upon it in blood to cut off from it man and beast. The word fury there is the Hebrew word 2534. Okay? It's not the severe, overflowing, strong wrath of God it's the lesser word for discipline and in this particular passage it's not just linked to the future but it's connected with Israel being judged in the days of Babylon when Babylon took him captive so God had Hamach he was angry whenever he allowed Israel to go captive he, he put out his fury on them then he put out his wrath on them then okay with me here in the disciplined way. Ezekiel 7.14. This word is the 2740 word. Haran. Harun probably. I don't know. They have blown the trumpet. Even to make all ready. But none goeth to the battle. Wrath is upon all the multitudes thereof. This word again is discipline on Israel. Has nothing to do with the day of the Lord. Worldwide wrath of God. And the word wrath is used there. But it's Haron 2740. Strong's dictionary. Zephaniah 114. Okay. Get with me here up to this point. I've given you all of these. Okay. Zephaniah 114. Here is the wrath of God in relation to the day of the Lord. Okay. And that's the only time this word here, Ebra, is ever used. It's in connection with the day of the Lord. Watch this. The great day of the Lord is near. It is near and hasteth greatly. Even the voice of the day of the Lord. The mighty man shall cry there bitterly. So, we have the day of the Lord here, right? This is, watch, okay. Verse 15. That day is a day of wrath. That day is a day of Ebrach. Got it? That's the time when God's worldwide wrath is poured out. It's a connection with what? 
I just read it to you. The day of the Lord. So then I have to prove to you that the day of the Lord is not the seven-year tribulation period. That's very easy. That, that's peace cake. Nothing to that. With me here? A day of the trumpet. Verse 1, uh, chapter 1, 7, 9, 1, 16. A day of the trumpet. Here we go. That seventh trumpet. And alarm against the fenced cities, against the high towers. And I will bring distress upon men that they shall walk like blind men because they have sinned against the Lord. And their blood shall be poured out as dust and their flesh as dung. 118. Neither their silver nor their gold shall be able to deliver them in the day of the Lord's wrath. But the whole land shall be devoured by the fire of his jealousy for he shall make even a speedy riddance of all them that dwell in the land uh, the word getzeph is also the other word Hebrew word and it's wrath and anger and you can locate in that in the book of Numbers okay, for some reason I didn't make it into my computer with that particular but it's in the book of numbers so you can study it okay praise the lord but i'm trying to show you here that the day of the lord and the wrath of god is that worldwide wrath of god is the time that we're not appointed to but there's nothing in the bible that ever tells us that we're not going through the seven years and it's because we misinterpreted those four hebrew words the seven-year tribulation period the seven seals begin it. Those seals are the discipline of God upon Israel. And though the word wrath and fury is always connected when you talk about those lesser degree words with Israel and never the Gentiles. And when you talk about the worldwide wrath of God, which, the, which is connected to the day of the Lord, it's never connected to Israel. So you have a local wrath of God that's going to be poured out, a anger, an anger of God, a discipline of God upon Israel in the seven-year tribulation period. It is His wrath. It is His anger. But it's not the one that we're not appointed to. Okay? At the end of that tribulation period, when Jesus comes back and fights the battle of Armageddon, that's when He pours out His wrath. In fact, we're going to look at it. Revelation 6, when the sixth seal is opened up, okay, in connection with the seventh seal, that's the first time God ever talks about His wrath. And that puts you way beyond. It puts you at the end of the tribulation period. Okay. Does that make sense? My fire, my hands are on fire right now. What I want to show you here is Matthew. Okay. When you look at these seals and when God opens these seals. Revelation 6 is when the seals begin to be opened or loosed. When the seventh seal is loosed, that's when the book is opened. And that's when the day of the Lord, in connection with the sounding of the trumpets and the bowls of wrath, began. Are you hearing with me at this point? Okay. Ooh, hallelujah. Would you like to be me this morning? I've got a job on my hand to try to get you to understand what I'm saying. Because I'm not a very good communicator. I'm a poor communicator. But I'm going to give it a whirl. I'm going to try. 
Okay. When you look at, when you look at the seals of God, when you look at them on the outside of that scroll and they're opened up, conditions have to be met before the book is open. Okay. Each one of these seals, seal one, two, three, four, five, six, on down, parallels Matthew 24. Matthew 24 can be laid over Revelation 6. Okay? Now, when you talk about, let me show you something, 2 Thessalonians 2, 3, there have to be signs that precede the day of the Lord, wrath. Let me put it this way. There has to be God's anger and His discipline and His fire before His overflowing fury. Okay? There have to be the seals before the day of the Lord. There ha- Are you with me here? There have to be signs, conditions leading up to when Jesus comes back to set up His day. All right? Some of them, 2 Thessalonians 2, 3, let no man deceive you by any means for that day. What day? It doesn't say, it doesn't say for the tribulation period. It says for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first and the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. It clearly tells us that the day of the Lord is preceded by two things in that passage. A great falling away or an apostasy and the Antichrist. With me? So when the Antichrist comes and the falling away takes place, that doesn't mean you're in the day of the Lord. The falling away and the Antichrist coming is in the tribulation period. Would you agree with that? That is in the seven-year tribulation period. But you're still not in that day. Those are simply signs that precede that day. Why can't we just take the Bible for what it says? Because we've got glasses on. And what we've been taught, including myself... We try to read into the Bible. Instead of just taking the Bible. Says, it says there's two things here in 2 Thessalonians 2. A falling away and the Antichrist before that day. And we know the Antichrist is going to be in that seven year tribulation period. But that is not that day. That's not the time of that overflowing fury. The wrath of God. Zephaniah 1 talked about. Signs precede that day. Okay? Read it for yourself. Bless your little heart. It talks about 1 Thessalonians 4, about the coming of the Lord and our gathering together unto Him. The word coming there is parousia. 2 Thessalonians 2.8 says that at His coming, His parousia, that's when He destroys the Antichrist. So at the time he comes back to destroy the Antichrist, that's the beginning of the day of the Lord, and that's when we're called out. It happens at the same time, his parousia. You don't have him coming for the church, 
before the Antichrist and then at the end of the tribulation period come back and destroy the Antichrist at the same event not separated by seven years it's at his parousia we're gathered at his parousia and he destroys the Antichrist at his parousia and that's post-tribulational we know the Antichrist is destroyed at the end of the tribulation not at the beginning oh boy see I thank God for sending a mentor into my life a post-tribulational mentor in my life named Tim Cohen he is my mentor in post-tribulational theology or teaching and study but what he did was he opened up my mind and so now I'm studying all kinds of things I'm studying words I'm, I'm studying other post-tribulational things and so but I can say this about Tim he was the mentor he's the one that that plunged me off into this insanity And when it comes to the time of events, I have yet to find any error in, in any error in, in what he says in the Word of God. Another man, Van Campen, wrote a book called The Sign. He's the one that pointed out the word differences in the Hebrew concerning the wrath of God. Okay? So, what it does is, when you have somebody, you know, that's insane enough to present this to the church, it opens up you. Because you've got to get out there and you've got to dig and you've got to study and you got to go back and find what the Word of God says. So I recognize men like Tim Cohen, Van Campen, men like these who are post-tribulational in their viewpoint because they've helped me tremendously in my understanding of the Word of God. So Tim, if you ever see this, God bless you. I appreciate you. You turned my church upside down. But thank God for mentors. Okay, praise the Lord. <laughs> and I'll tell you what did it for me is when I started studying the words, four critical words in connection with the coming of Jesus. Even what Tim showed me, I still didn't, I still hadn't swallowed hook, line, and sinker. But when I studied myself for the, those words, myself, four critical words, the Perusia, Episanago, the Calabo, amen. I don't remember what the other one was. Critical words, I forgot. That completely. I saw it for myself. The timing was right there. You, I couldn't miss it. So if you don't have that message, get the, get the message called Four Critical Words. Hello, little flock. Watch this. Okay, so we got signs that precede the day of the Lord. Is that correct? 2 Thessalonians 2, 3. And that day of the Lord is when that Ebrach, that Worldwide wrath of God is poured out according to Zephaniah 1, right? Which takes you beyond the tribulation period, takes you beyond the revealing of the Antichrist, takes you beyond the falling of the way. Y'all get quiet on me. Waiting. Want more? Give me more. For many shall come in my name, St. Matthew 24, 5. Revelation 6, you're going to see when that first seal is opened up. The book's not even open yet. The first seal is opened up in the first year of the tribulation period. Antichrist comes forth in the ultimate sense. Jesus Christ in the redemptive sense. Okay. Woo! 
There's another one. Okay? But what I'm trying to show you is that rider on the white horse, Matthew 24 says, a sign that comes forth. What shall be the sign of thy coming and the end of the age? The disciples asked Jesus. And so the sign of his coming is when he comes and sounds that seventh trumpet or the last trumpet. When he sounds the, the sign of the coming man in glory. Okay. But there are events that lead up to it. One of the events that lead up to that day of the Lord, overflowing fury of God, that's going to take place at the end of the tribulation period. One of them is, I've already read to you in 2 Thessalonians 2, is the Antichrist, the son of perdition, is going to come before the day of the Lord. And here it is, Matthew 24, verse 5, For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. Revelation 6, 1 says, A rider comes forth riding a white horse. Okay? He's the false Christ in ultimate, the ultimate view. Help me, Lord. Watch this. Let me just go through this. Matthew 24, 6. And you shall hear of wars, rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. So you've got the rider on the white horse, false Christ. Then you've got the rider on a red horse, war. But the end is not yet. And what is the end? The end is the day of the Lord. And we've proved that to you when we taught on the day of the Lord or the coming of the Lord. One of those two. The end is the day of the Lord. And he said, you're going to see a false Christ come forth. And you're going to see war and rumors of war come forth. But the time, the end is not yet. He said it's not yet. You're not in the day of the Lord when you see the false Christ come. And you see the wars break out. You're not in the end. Those are just conditions that have to take place before the book can be opened. Okay? 24:13. But he that shall endure to the he that shall endure unto the end. Let me read to you again. He that shall endure to the end, the same shall be saved, which means you're going to have to endure the cross false Christ that comes forth. You're going to have to endure the wars. Because that's not the end. He that endures to the end means you're going to have to go through that. If that wasn't the end, you're going to have to go through that which wasn't the end. You're going to have to endure to the end. And what you're going to have to endure is that which preceded the end. And what he said precedes the end is a false Christ and war. And so, Revelation 6, 1, you have the false Christ and the war. You're going to be right in the tribulation period, enduring until the end. Because the white horse rider and the red horse rider is not the end. It's not the day of the Lord. You have to, he's try, I'm trying to show you what you're going to have to endure if you're in that, if we're in that generation. I'm trying to say there are signs that precede the worldwide wrath of God. And they're located in the seven-year tribulation period. And the seven-year tribulation period is not the end. Not the day of the Lord. Okay, watch this. Verse 29 of chapter 24. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, after the tribulation 
of those days shall the sun be darkened and the moon shall not give her light and the stars shall fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. When does that happen? After the tribulation of those days. Well, if Matthew 24 parallels Revelation 6. Okay, let's look at Revelation 6 and verse 12. And I beheld and he opened the sixth seal. And lo, there was a great earthquake and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair and the moon became as blood. And so this sixth seal takes you to the very end of the tribulation period. Because he said, after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened. And Revelation 6.12, the sixth seal, we see it happening right there. And so it takes you to the very end. These seals cover all the way the seven-year tribulation period. They take you from the beginning to the end. Revelation 5 and 4 and 5 is before the seals are open and after the seals are open. Before and after. Okay? Because Revelation 5, we see the book begin to be open. So it's before and it's after. And Revelation 6 through 22 shows us what is happening in connection with the opening of this book. Now, see, I add things to you and I completely confuse you. If I just go ahead and just stay with this here, you, you might be clear. But I'm trying to show you that Revelation 6 verse 12 takes you all the way to the end of the tribulation period. It, it doesn't, it's not... These seals are not just the first part of the tribulation period. These seals cover all the seven-year period. And they are signs that precede the day of the Lord. These are the things you have to endure to the end, the day of the Lord. Pretty simple. Aren't you a pastor? Aren't you glad your pastor prayed through? Aren't you glad he's finally preaching the truth? I'm glad. Joel 2.31, watch this. The sun shall turn, be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord comes. And so I've showed you that the whole seven-year tribulation period, because the sixth seal takes place at the end of the tribulation period, with the darkening of the sun, I have just showed you here by these verses that all of that's before the day of the Lord. That seven-year tribulation period is not the day of the Lord. It's not His worldwide wrath. It is not the, the overflowing fury of God. It is God's judgment and discipline on Israel. Did you get it? Do I need to back up and read this? Let me read them all to you again. Okay? And see that you are thoroughly in unbelief. Chapter 24, 20. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, shall the sun be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light, and the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of heaven shall be shaken. When? 
after the tribulation of those days. When is it? In Revelation. When does it happen in Revelation? Revelation 6.12. Again. And I beheld when he opened the sixth seal. And lo, there was a great earthquake. And the sun became black as sackcloth. And here the moon became blood. There it is. Connected with the end of the tribulation period. Joel 2.31. The sun shall be turned to darkness. The moon into blood. Before the great and terrible day of the Lord comes. The great and terrible day of the Lord comes. Okay, so the day of the Lord is after the tribulation period. The 70th week of Daniel, or the 70th tribulation period, is not the day of the Lord. Okay, you with me here? Okay, look up here with me for the sake of clarity. I, I would love to be really moving a lot faster, okay? Because i got a lot to share with you this morning. But I see that I need to... What good is it if we just go blowing through here and just give you stuff and you don't even understand it anyway? But... If you look at these seals that are opened, this chart is wrong. <laughs> okay? Because it shows all these seals right here, crunched up right at the beginning of the tribulation period. I, told you, I showed you Revelation 6. We got one all the way over here at the end. A seal all the way over here at the end. And so he got it all bunched up over here, praise God. You know. But what you have is the loosening of these seals takes you all the way through the tribulation period. Then you have within the, se the seventh seal, you have the seven trumpets of God, which would be located right in here. One trumpet, two trumpet, three trumpet, four trumpet, five trumpet, six trumpet. Seventh trumpet sounds when he returns. Judges the wicked, catches the righteous up, Episanago, gathers his elect unto himself at the seventh trumpet. And then when the seventh trumpet sounds, Okay, seven bowls of wrath are poured out. This chart is wrong. These bowls of wrath are beyond the seventh trumpet. They are post-trib. And they are connected with the day of the Lord, which is also post-trib. And so these bowls of wrath, when Jesus comes back to fight the battle of Armageddon, he very quickly pours out these bowls of wrath in succession very, very, very quickly. One right after the other. And that is the wrath that we're not appointed unto. Okay? So we have to take everything on this chart and we have to scoot it. Okay? We have to scoot these seals all the way through to the end. With the trumpets right there at the tail end of the tribulation period. And then the bowls of wrath beyond even the tribulation period. Got it? Okay. All right? So, when you come up here and look at that chart, just scoot. Okay? All right. Now, the day of the Lord, then, is when Jesus comes back, he comes, Perusia, judges the Antichrist, battle of Armageddon is fought, he catches the church out, Right? There's a judgment that takes place. The judgment of the nations that take place. Matthew 25 talks about that. He sets up his kingdom. But if you look in Daniel, Daniel talks about a 75-day period of time that goes beyond the seven-year tribulation period. And that 75-day period, period of time that goes beyond the tribulation period, Daniel 12 tells you that, is when the bowls of wrath are being poured out. When he fights the battle of Armageddon, catches the church up, 
catches the, with me here, catches the church up. Pours out the bowls of wrath. Fights the battle of Armageddon. Sets up the judgment of the nations. Okay? Judges Israel. Judges the nations. Sets up the kingdom. Daniel 12. Got me here? 75 days beyond. You'll read it. You'll read it. I don't have time to cover it, but you'll read it. You with me here so far? Hallelujah. So, I'm so happy. Why are you so happy, Pastor? Because truth, for truth's sake. What if the Lord come in and say, okay, I'm, the tribulation is starting tomorrow. Wouldn't change me. I'd be sit back. I'd look back with, with holy anxiety and anxious to see what God is going to do. In his severe discipline on the nation of Israel. But don't get too happy. Because at the end of all that, that's when he's going to pour out a worldwide wrath and judgment upon the nations based on what they did to Israel. But the good news is that once he gets through with Israel in that seven-year period of time, is that he's going to save Israel. And they're going to be as one risen from the dead from their dying. And the good news is the judgment he's going to pour out on the nations of the world the Bible says that the Gentiles are going to lay hold, on, hold on, lay hold on to a Jew. And Gentiles are going to be saved. See, there's good news in all of this. All this judgment and stuff is simply the removing of everything that hinders his appearing and his kingdom being established in the earth. In the earth in the ultimate sense and in us right now. Isn't that beautiful? Beautiful, man. It's awesome. Because the day of the Lord that takes you beyond the tribulation period is when the righteous are saved and the wicked are judged. Awesome. Okay, with me still? Revelation 5, 6, Now beheld and lo, in the midst of the throne. Okay, here we go. All right. Are y'all completely okay with all of this are you understanding what I'm what we're trying to show you out of the holy word of God out of this beast here on my on my pulpit okay now at the end of this I'm going to go back to the sealed book and I'm going to talk to you more about it okay <clears throat> Because it is not just the seal scroll that's going to be opened up in the future. It is a book of the life of the Lamb that is being opened up within you right now. Because He is the living Word. Jesus is the book. And He is opening up His book within you progressively right now. Okay. Praise the Lord. Some of you are thinking, man, Pastor, I got to be a college student to understand. No, you don't. Take your word to the word. Take you to the word of God. Read it to you right out of the book, man. See, the enemy wants to cloud your mind. Think you got to be a highly intellectual to understand this. Are you funny? If I can understand this, anybody out there can. 
I did good to get my high school diploma. <laughs> okay, so man, don't, I, <laughs> praise the Lord. Let God reveal it to you, open it up to you in the spirit. It's not difficult, man. It's right on the book. See, the problem is, though, the intellectual has a problem with this. Because it's spiritually discerned. See, God, he's something else. God's something else. He messes with the mind of the intellectual, and he uses babes, you know. He uses things that are not, like me. Thank God, he uses are nots to confound the wise. But if you're intellectual and you've got God, you know, you're one up on the rest of us. Hallelujah. So God bless you. Not putting down education. Okay. Now, let's, let's look at this message here. Because Jesus, the seals opening up and the future discipline of God upon Israel and the worldwide wrath of God upon the nations that's going to come. That's beautiful, and that's awesome, and that's a wonderful message. But I'm going to tell you right now that the theme of the book of Revelation is not that. That is not the theme. He is. He's the theme. He is the book. In the volume of the book, it is written to me. I delight to do thy will, O God. When you have the opening of this book, then what you have is, when you have an opening of the book of God inside of you, what it should do is cause you to do His will. And when you do His will, you have a revelation of Jesus. And when you have a revelation of Jesus, then Revelation 6 says you see His face. And when you see His face, then judgment comes upon everything in you that is not according to His will. The whole book, the sealed scroll, the volume of the book is written of me. It's written of Jesus. I delight to do thy will, O oh God. This sealed scroll is basically the will of God. Written on the front and the back, Old Testament, New Testament. Fulfilled in Jesus Christ. He's the ultimate theme of the book of Revelation. It's a revelation of Jesus. Not so much a revelation of clouds, you know, or a... Uh, uh, Dark, dark sun and dark moon and beasts and all that. It's a revelation of Jesus. And all this stuff is just showing you how Jesus establishes the will of God. And the redemption of God in this earth. And he's doing it right now through a people. And he will continue to do it through a people. The word became flesh. The book became flesh. And dwelt among us. He walked as the scroll in the earth. He walked as the Biblios in the earth. He walked the Word of God in the earth. The whole book, the whole volume is written to Him. Do His will. And that brings a revelation. A revelation of God in Jesus. Now, and it's not just, the Bible says in John 1, He said, of His fullness have we received. So now... Because you are his body, you are the word made flesh. 
And so this scroll, this word, is coming forth out from among our people. And listen, and Jesus being inside of us, the word inside of us, the word is enfleshed. And now this extension of the throne is coming out from among a people who delight to do his will. And those who delight to do his will get a revelation of Jesus. And when you get a revelation of the face of Jesus, that brings the judgment on everything that's not God. Do you understand? <laughs> his whole desire is that the word be manifest in the flesh. Galatians 1, Paul says this, that Christ might be revealed in me. There's a revelation of the scroll in me. There's a revelation of the scroll inside of you. It's God. It's Jesus. Opening up the scroll inside of you. One seal at a time. Until ultimately you have the life of the Lamb. Which defeats the beast and the Antichrist. Inside of you. And I'll get to that in just a minute. But let me get to my computer. So I'll give you some scriptures to prove it, okay? I'm telling you, man. Mm, God's good. Watch, 5, 6. I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne, and in the, of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain. The theme is the lamb as it had been slain. I can't lose sight of Jesus. Having seven horns, horns speak. Thank you. I can't believe it. Horns speak of power. They speak of the kingdom. He's got seven horns. Are you with me here? The setting up of his kingdom and power. Watch. Bible said he's got seven eyes. He doesn't, he's not, Jesus is not only omnipotent. Jesus has all power. I got to read it to you. Revelation 5. And I saw on the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within on the backside sealed with seven seals. I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice who is worthy to open this, the book and to loose the seals thereof. No man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book neither to look thereon. I wept much because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. One of the elders saith unto me, Weep not, behold, the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book, the scroll, and to loose the seven seals thereof, and be held, and lo, in the midst of the throne. And of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb, as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. He came and took the book of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. Here he's in the midst of the throne, and then he goes and takes from the one on the throne the scroll. That doesn't mean you've got two people here, God and Jesus. What you have here is symbolism. It shows you in his awesome roles and manifestation. Jesus is the one who has seven horns. He's got all power. Jesus is the one who's got seven eyes. He knows all things. Only God has all power. And only God knows all things.
okay so it's just showing you Jesus in his different roles as as God on the throne uh, uh, as the son on the throne God manifests in the flesh the one who has a right okay to bring everything to an end the only one who has the answer to all man's problems and sin the only one who has judgment it's God judging through the man Christ Jesus who has all power who has all knowledge knows all things he's omniscient so these are just attributes of the one Jesus who's the one on the throne in the midst of the throne and also the one who receives this all symbolism who receives the book from the hand of the one that's on the throne symbolism you think he literally has seven eyes you think he Jesus literally has seven horns it's symbolism okay I'm not trying to teach one God in this too you can see my struggle this is so large man just love it like, a, like an ocean man it's an ocean can't exhaust it never never can we exhaust this and seven horns seven eyes which are the seven spirits of God sent forth in all the earth Isaiah 11 too, talks about the sevenfold work in the spirit of God you know ultimately wisdom is there with him now watch this okay are y'all still awake so what is the central theme of the book of Revelation it's the lamb and his finished work And he's also the lion. He's the king. He's the root of David. He's David's creator. He's the offspring of David. He's David's son according to the flesh. In his lamb row, he is the one who died for us. In his lion row, he's king of kings and lord of lords. He's the creator of David. And David's son in the flesh has omniscience seven eyes omnipotence seven horns describes all of his roles and all of his names and all of his titles because he is the coronated king of kings and lord of lords the one who has the adut the testimony the testament the scroll in his hand that says everything that he will do and everything that he is by name and by title he's the one with the testimony of the adut in his hand all about him he's a central theme are you with me here Woo. so what happens then is when these cells are opened up is you have a judgment on everything it's not him right now and then ultimately yes aren't, don't you love the Lord today and I know you, some of y'all just like me just go wild here. I know you'd like me to do that. But but I'm anointed. I don't have to hang from the ceiling. I mean, don't make me preach. Jesus talks about, now watch this. In connection to the, the whole book of Revelation is a book of redemption. This scroll is about redemption. This scroll, yeah, come on. This scroll is the covenant, the testament, the testimony of Him. 
of who he is and what he's done by way of redemption. The rightful judge, king of kings, lord of lords. The seals are the birth pains. The birth pains. The birth pains. It doesn't say birth pains. Matthew 24. It doesn't say birth pain. It says birth pains. These are the birth pains of who? The world? Now. They're the birth pains of the Messiah. These birth pains, these still judgments that are going to be poured out, they're birth pains. He's going to bring in his kingdom. He's, what, is the, what is he going to give birth to? His day. He's going to give birth to his kingdom. And these seals are the contractions. That's going to see it come about. It's Jacob's trouble. Been over as a woman in birth pains it's the birth pains of the Messiah in an ultimate sense when he's going to set up his kingdom in an ultimate sense but he did it on the cross he experienced the seals at the cross he experienced the trumpets at the cross he ex experienced the bows of wrath on the cross all of that has already been fulfilled on the cross the seals are called birth pains. Matthew 24, 8. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Are the beginning of birth pains. He's talking about the seals. Jesus is the, I'll tell you, the focus is the Redeemer. His work. Birth pains. Acts 2, 24. Whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pangs of death. Because it was not possible that he should be holding of it. He experienced the birth pains when he went to the cross. He experienced the seals when he went to the cross. So it's seen in redemption. And then ultimately in the future. You got this? It's about Jesus. Matthew 24, which is called the birth pains. Parallel Revelation 6. And they are all birth pains. Got it? Revelation 5, 9. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou worthy to take the book and to open, their, open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred, tongue, and people, and nation. So the seals are linked to the cross, his redemption in the past. And progressively fulfilled in us now as a people. Because he is the book that's being opened. He's opening his own book inside of us. And then ultimately, in an ultimate sense. Are you with me? All the convulsions of the world, the earth, the destruction of the beast, all of that. Are just the birth pains of his kingdom. The beginning of sorrows. Not the end. The beginning of sorrows. Watch this. Now, okay. Look at verse 9. Praise God. We, we fixed the launch here. Okay. It takes me a little time to lay. We got to build the foundation right. We're going to launch in just a minute. All right. You with me here? Okay, Revelation 5, 9. Watch. It says, 
And they sung a new song saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred, tongue, and people, and nation. He's the one that opens the book. Thanks. He's the one that has the right because he has redeemed us. What are we talking about here? Okay. This book, again, it speaks of him. It's the testament. It's the testimony of the testator. And they're singing about his redemption because he's the one who has the right to open the book. So this book, it speaks of so many things. Will of God, testament of the testator, new covenant, prophecy, Old Testament, New Testament fulfilling. Jesus, ultimately the living word. You, the word manifest in the flesh. But let's just talk, it, talk about the book in connection with redemption. Whenever a people could not make a payment on their property, they would take a scroll, a deed, and they would seal the deed with seven seals. With me? And they would wait because they couldn't make the payment. They would wait for a kinsman redeemer to come who was wealthy enough to pay the price to make the payment on the land that was about to be foreclosed on. And they wouldn't just sell it to anybody to pay their debt. They waited till a kinsman redeemer. Now watch this. A kinsman redeemer would come to redeem the property. Even if they sold the property to somebody else, the kinsman redeemer could redeem it back. Here's my point. You've got some people who have property they can't make a payment on. And the bank's about ready to foreclose. And so those people would take this, the deed and they would seal the deed up. And they would put it away until a kinsman redeemer could come and make the payment. And they would look at it and they would say, we don't have the ability to make the payment. We can't redeem it. We can't pay the payment. One by one would testify, I can't pay the price. Are you with me? And then a kinsman redeemer will come along and say, I'll make the payment. I'll pay the price. I'll redeem it. Watch this. Jesus is the kinsman redeemer. When Adam fell, come on. When Adam fell, the bank, I say the bank, you know what I'm talking about. Foreclosure. <laughs> the document is sealed. Foreclosure is about to take place. And from generation to generation, no man, the Bible says, has the ability to pay the payment. To pay the price. So for 4,000 years, from one generation to another generation, they said, we can't pay the price. And the foreclosure is about to take place. But Jesus comes on the scene, and he's got the right to open the book and to loose the seals thereof. Because he has redeemed us to God by his blood. Out of every kindred, tongue, nation, and people. He said, I'm the one who can stop the foreclosure. I'm the one that can make the payment. I'm the one that can put it in reverse. 
For 4,000 years, there was no man that could step forward and say, I can pay the price. Adam couldn't pay the price. Isaiah couldn't pay the price. Daniel couldn't pay the price. None of them could pay the price. Jeremiah, none of the prophets could pay the price. None of the priests could pay the price. Jesus comes forward and said, I paid the price. I stopped the foreclosure and put it in reverse. You can't pay the price for yourself. He pays the price for you. He's the one that stopped the foreclosure. He's the one that opened the deed. And because he's inside of you right now by way of redemption, you cannot fulfill the will of God on your own. He has to open it inside of you. You have to respond to that. And in your responding to his word and obeying his will, then that's when a revelation of Jesus takes place inside of you. And from you, redemption is seen. And from you is judgment seen. Go back to those mighty creatures around the throne. The face of an ox speaks of service. He's the servant of the Lord inside of me. He is also the man. He's the man. We are men who have been touched. He's been touched by the feeling of our infirmities. He is the eagle on the inside of me that comes forth bringing judgment. He's all of that inside of me. It's coming forth out of a people. It's an extension of the throne. That's why he's seen in the midst. And he's the one seen opening the scrolls. And he's the one seen redeeming. And he's the one seen judging. Because it's all connected to the cross. You don't get no better than that. If you don't get excited about that, nothing will get you excited. He knew what was at stake. And then said, weep not, John. Behold, the line of the tribe of Judah hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seals thereof. Don't cry anymore, John. Somebody can open it. Don't be totally discouraged. Don't be frustrated. The lamb in the midst of you is opening up redemption inside of you. Give God some praise. You can't do it on your own. And I will tell you right now, there are times that out of my book come things that grieve me there are things that come out of my book that cause me to weep but I got good news for you today when he opens up the book and I respond and I do his will there's a revelation of Jesus so that everybody can see his redemption and his judging in my life I don't always like what comes out of my book but I can't produce it anyway he's got to produce it through me as I respond to his will I'm going to show you this. Revelation 5. It says they sung a new song. They sung a new song. New song is connected with the kingdom of God. New song is connected with redemption. They sung a new song. Hallelujah. And, and I believe that they're singing back and forth to each other. I believe the elders are singing. You know, hallelujah. I believe that... <laughs> There's a back and forth praise going on. And I don't really need to, I don't really have time to get in that this morning. But certain of them are saying certain things and 
others are saying certain things and then then the 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 uh the, the creatures are saying certain things about some other people you know and he has made us kings and priests unto our god and we shall reign on the earth you know it is just back and forth back and forth someday we're going to sing we're going to sing we're going to sing back and forth man watch the first part of this with the opening of the seals is before the, uh, the first part of five is before the seals but when you get to that place where they start praising and worshiping him and singing about his redemption and it flows all the way down from the you know it goes from the 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 seraphim to the elders and then from the elders it's ignited into uh, angels and from the angels it's ignited into all god's creation when you get into that place you move into the very end of all things in chapter five i'm going to show it to you real quick okay Watch this. 5 9 says they sung a new song. Revelation 7 9. When, when they're singing a new song, it takes you all the way to the end. It's when the kingdom is coming in. After this, I beheld Revelation 7 9. And lo, a great multitude, which no man can number of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands. And cried with a loud voice saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb. And all the angels stood round about the throne, about the elders, and the four beasts fell down before the throne on their faces and worshipped God, saying, Amen. Blessing, glory, wisdom, thanksgiving, honor, power, might be under our God forever and ever. Amen. And so they're doing a similar thing that these people are doing in the kingdom. At the beginning of the kingdom age. So Revelation 5 is before the kingdom age and after. Before, come on, before the seals and after the seals. They're standing before the throne. They're in the kingdom age there in an ultimate sense. Singing and saying the same thing. Well, well pastor, I thought Revelation 5 was supposed to happen before the tribulation period. And I thought we're supposed to be all around the throne at that time before the seals are ever open. Revelation 5 takes you before the seals and even after the seals. It shows you a group of people singing and praising and worshiping God in connection with the kingdom of God, which is beyond the seven-year tribulation. Watch this. And then we go on. And it, he just keeps on being the focus. Revelation 14.1. In the kingdom age, and I looked, and lo, a lamb stood on Mount Zion, a lamb, and with him 144,000, having his father's name written in their foreheads. Got the nature of God in you. Verse 2, and I heard a voice from heaven as the voice of many waters, and the voice of a great thunder. I heard the voice of harpers harping with their harps, and they sung, as it were, a new song. Takes you beyond to be open. Takes you beyond the beginning when the seals are open takes you to the very completion of the tribulation period so that now in revelation 14 when you when you see the kingdom age set up they're singing the new song they're singing before, and before the four beasts and elders and no man can learn that song but the 144,000 which were redeemed from the earth revelation 51 i saw another sign in heaven great and marvelous seven angels having the seven last plagues for in them is filled up the wrath of god the last plagues Got it? Verse 2. And I saw as it were a sea of glass being with fire, and them that gotten the victory over the beast, 
and over his image and over his mark and over the number of his name standing on the sea of glass having the harps of God verse 3 and they sing the song of Moses the servant of God the song of the Lamb saying great and marvelous are thy works Lord God Almighty just and true are thy ways thou king of saints you do realize this takes you into the kingdom time frame verse 4 who shall not fear thee O Lord and glorify thy name for thou only art holy for all nations shall come and worship before thee for thy judgments are made manifest so this singing host a group of people is not just at the beginning before the seals are opened up or during when the seals are being opened up but they go all the way to the beginning of the kingdom when they're before the throne <laughs> he's showing me my sign again God is so good Revelation 21 21 you get it in the book the lamb is still the focus it actually it's verse it's 20 21 22 I've got it entered into my computer wrong let me go to 22 read it watch this this is making sense to any of you and I saw no temple there for the Lord God Almighty and the lamb are the temple of it so again the lamb is the focus praise God all the way to the end he is the theme and the focus of Revelation are you with me praise God Revelation 22.10, and he saith unto me, seal not. Okay, that's interesting. Revelation 22.10, by the time you get to 10 of chapter 22, it says, and he saith unto me, seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. What? That he might be revealed. So don't seal it up. Loose the seals. Open the seals that he might be revealed. Open the seals that he might be seen. Don't seal it up anymore. There must be a revelation of Jesus. His face must be seen. Watch this. Revelation 17 verse 8 beast what are the benefits of this redemption inside of us what is it well praise God right now what's the benefit of in the ultimate sense the defeat of the antichrist the defeat of the beast if the beast that thou sawest was and is not shall ascend this is Revelation 17 8 shall ascend out of the bottom of his pit and go into perdition and they that dwell on the earth shall wonder whose names were were not written in the book of life Really, that book, we talk about the testament and testator and, the, and all of that. It speaks of the life of God, the book of life. It's the life of the Lamb in the midst of you. And the benefits are, is that if you're not in that book, then watch, he says, the beast that thou sawest was, is not, shall ascend out of the blessed pit and go into perdition. They that dwell on the earth shall wonder whose names were not written in the book of life for the foundation when they behold the beast which was and is not and yet is. So what we say here is this. If you've got that book inside of you, you have victory over the beast. But if you don't have that book inside of you, then the, you don't have victory over the beast. Watch. I'm in redemptive viewpoint here right now, okay? And an ultimate viewpoint too. Okay, watch this. Revelation 20 verse 12. I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. The books were open. And another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which are written in the books according to their works. Everything that does not have the life of the Lamb in it is cast into the fire. You want to be in that book of redemption. You want to be in the Lamb's book of life. Because that's what gives you victory over the beast. That's what keeps you out of the fire, my friend. That's what keeps you out of the fire. Because everything that doesn't have the life of the Lamb inside of it is going to be cast into the lake of fire. 
Revelation 22:15. For without are dogs and horses and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. Those that are not a part of the life of the Lamb are outside of the city. Hello, city of God. Because you've got the life of the Lamb on the inside of you. He's standing up in the midst of your throne. He's opened up the scroll inside of you. Redemption inside of you. And judging everything in you that's not of Him. You are the Word manifest in the earth right now that He might be revealed. Watch. Are you getting the point here? Revelation 21, 23. And the city had no need of the sun. Hello, city. Right now, but in the ultimate sense, also... Had no need of the sun nor the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. He's my light. He's my life. The Bible said He's the light of the life of men. He is my light. He's my life. He's who? Judging, in, judging me right now. Every time He opens a seal, He's judging a beast in me. Until ultimately his face is seen. Until ultimately his glory is manifested in flesh. That's the whole purpose of it. You understand these things. Revelation 21, 27. And there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth. Neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie. But they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. He is the theme of the book of Revelation. He is the Redeemer and the Judge within His people. Give God some praise. And you know what? When you go forth and you let Him open these things in you, you are manifesting His redemption to a people around you. It's all about manifesting Jesus. Paul said that He might be revealed in me. There has to be a revelation of Jesus in flesh in you now I've got I'm almost done praise the Lord where's my sign lady how, how far okay I'm gonna keep going okay I'm doing good 5 1 I saw on the right hand let me go back to this seal scroll again I saw on the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on backside seal with seven seals praise God The seven seal scroll was sealed by the wealthy, by the rich. And at the time of the testator, the will is brought forth. And the seven witnesses come forth. And they have to be there in order for that, that will to be opened up. Watch this. What is this will about? This will that's going to have witnesses around that throne before it's opened up is will concerning his kingdom. I don't have to necessarily be there pre-trib because it's connected to his kingdom. I'm going to prove it to you. Watch. But having said that, and I'm going to prove this to you, this is his testimony. His testimony. His adult. This is his coronation day. This is his day. 
this is the day of the Lord. Day. That are preceded by seven seals, conditions that have to take place for his day, his kingdom to be set up. I'm going to prove it to you. Okay. Watch. Watch this. Watch this. Revelation. Okay, here we go. Let me explain something to you. On the coronation of the king, when the king is coronated, he receives an adut. E-I-D-U-T. Adut. Okay? Praise the Lord. Let me make sure I got it. I don't want anybody to crucify me over that. E-I-D-U-T. Adut. Okay. On the king's coronation day, he receives a testimony. A scroll. And in that testimony is all his names and all his titles and prophecies about what he will accomplish. This is the Lord's coronation day. And it reaches all the way back to the work of the cross. But now it's fulfilled. Everything that was ever said to him, about him prophetically, Old Testament, New Testament, is coming to a time of fulfillment. All his names, all his attributes, all his titles are written in that testimony book. Not just prophecies about what he'll do, but who he is. Let me give you a scripture here. Watch. Revelation is Jesus' coronation day. Watch this. Revelation 5, 5. One of the elders saith unto me, Weep not, behold, the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, had prevailed to open the book and loose the seals thereof. And then it talks about his roles. It talks about, it talks about his titles, his names, and who he is in Revelation 5. Just coronation day. That's what they do on coronation day. In verse 8, there's a celebration of the coronation, the crowning of the king. Not only does this testimony come forth with all his titles and his names, his roles, his attributes, his prophecies been given to him, but a crown, Netzer, is given to him. And a seal, a ring. Ring of the testimony that he seals documents with. I'm going to give you a Bible. You ready for this? Verse 5, we see his rose. We see verse 8. We see the enthronement celebration in verse 9. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou worthy to take the book and to open the, the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred, tongue, people, and nation. The new song in the Jewish mind speaks of the kingdom of God coming. You got me? I'm telling you, it reaches all the way to the completion. Then, it goes on and says this. Okay, here we go. I'm going to prove it to you. Daniel 7, 13. I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven. Hello, clouds. And came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. Exactly what you see in Revelation 5. Verse 14. And there was given him dominion. And glory and the kingdom that all people, nations, languages, 
should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall. Oh, hallelujah. Shall not pass away. And his kingdom, that which shall not be destroyed. It's the time his kingdom is set up. His coronation day. His roles are displayed. A celebration of his enthronement is taking place. It's Rosh Hashanah. It's the marriage of the Lamb. It's the crowning of the King. It's the celebration of his enthronement. His kingdom is come. Singing a new song. The fulfillment is here. Daniel 7.21, I beheld and the same horn made war with the saints and prevailed against them. How long? Until the ancient of days came and judgment was given to the saints of the Most High. And the time came that the saints possess the kingdom there's the seven witnesses there's the seven churches testifying to the fact that he's the only one that has a right to rule and to reign but he gives the kingdom to a people are you getting the point here I'm trying to show you that the seven churches don't have to be in, the, in heaven before the tribulation period. It's connected to the setting up of his kingdom. Someday this is going to be valuable to you. Okay? I understand you're in growth process. All of us are in growth process. But someday this will be valuable. Maybe not right now. But someday it will be valuable to you. Isaiah 8, 16. Let me give you some scriptures in the Old Testament that, that prefigure this. Rosh Hashanah, crowning of the king and marriage of the lamb. And uh, the, the establishment of his kingdom. Let me give you some scriptures here concerning this. Isaiah 8, verse 16. He says, bind up the edut, the testimony. Seal the law among my disciples. Seal the law among my disciples. Bind up the scroll, the testimony. Seal the law among my disciples. I can't tell you how privileged you are today. It's like you're going to participate in this kingdom. You're going to participate in the fulfillment of your great and glorious king and lamb, Jesus, redemption and kingdom. Second Kings 11 verse 2. He brought forth the king's son and put the crown upon him. By the way, if we had time, we'd look at this. But Joash was hidden in the house for six years. He comes forth in the seventh year and is crowned. In Second Kings 11. Read it for yourself. If you want to know the timing of Revelation 5, I'm giving it to you. It's at the end of the tribulation period. Joash comes forth. Athaliah tried to kill him. She reigned in his stead as a harlot, just like the church is going to at that time. He comes forth in the seventh year to be crowned. Okay? At that time, he is given the testimony, the scroll, 
he's given the, the crown. Okay? So Revelation 5 is connected with the kingdom age. Here we go. 2 Kings eleven twelve, And he brought forth the king's son and put the crown upon him. What I think is really awesome is that Joash stands beside a pillar. When Athaliah is defeated, Josiah, also that young king, seed royal of God, is also a prefigure and a type of these things in connection to the battle of Armageddon. And he also stands beside a pillar. I'm telling you, man, this is heavy stuff. God promises those that overcome to be, they will be the pillar in the house of my God. You're going to have the name of your God. Your nature is going to be changed. The beast nature is going to be taken out of you. You won't take the mark of the beast because you've got the life of the lamb on the inside of you. 2 Kings 11, 2, and he brought forth the king's son, put the crown upon him, the Netzar, and gave him the testimony, the adut, that scroll. And they made him king and anointed him. And they clapped their hands. And they said, God save the king. <laughs> this is after he was hid in the house for six years. He comes forth. He's going to be crowned the seventh year. That's his day. That's his coronation day. That's his marriage day. So when he takes his wife. And there they come, representative of those seven churches. It speaks of completion church, completed church, an overcoming church, number seven. And they come forth, and they witness the King of kings and Lord of lords possessing his kingdom. Hey, man, I'm moved in my spirit. They clapped their hands said, God save the king. No one of the enemy doesn't like it when we start clapping our hands. You know, I tell you what, and I think you're, you're just, like, just like me in some aspects that there's something about it. Since I got filled with the Holy Ghost, I always clap my hands. I'm always clapping my hands. In prayer, I'm clapping my hands. In praise, I'm, I'm always clapping. I can't stop clapping my hands. I just can't stop. <laughs> you know, I just, whoo, praise God, praise God, you know. Sound like those mighty seraphim on the day of the Lord, you know, clapping their wings. No wonder it says they clap their hands because on the day of the Lord, you hear the clapping the, the, the wings of the cherubim in connection with the day of the Lord. And the glory of the Lord filling the earth, the knowledge of the glory of the Lord filling the earth as the waters cover the seas and waters sound like the clapping of the hand. I love it, man. I just, I just love it. I love it. Love it. It's like a... In 2 Samuel 1 and 10, he said, so I stood upon him. He was talking about this, this lying person who claimed to have killed Saul. He said, so I stood upon him and slew him because I was sure that he could not live after he was fallen, that he was fallen. I, I took the crown, the netzer, that was upon his head. And the bracelet that was on his arm and have brought him hither unto my Lord. When Saul fell in battle, he lost his adut. He lost the bracelet, this, the, the ring, the, the signature ring, the, 
the bracelet that would seal documents with. Okay, you with me here? It's connected with the seal. He lost his crown. And so these are just a few examples of the adut, the testimony, and, and the crown, and the kingdom of God being established in the word of God. And we see when Revelation 5 is happening in Daniel 7. It's connected to his kingdom. And no wonder we have people singing the new song in Revelation 5 about redemption. And no wonder in Revelation 7 when they're standing before the throne having come through the great tribulation period. The Bible said, John Lewis said, who are these? And the answer comes, these are they which came out of great tribulation. They have washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb and made them white. They made it all the way through the tribulation period. And there they are, singing. In Revelation 14, we see the 144,000 singing, the Bible says, the new song in connection with the setting up of God's kingdom. What an awesome thing it is. I'm just telling you, prepare. Prepare. For the conditions of the seals before the book is ever opened, declaring who he is as King of kings and Lord of lords, my Redeemer, my Savior. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Last scripture, Hebrews 10, 7. Then said I, Lo, I come in the volume of the book. It is written to me. That scroll is about him. It's his testimony. I don't, if you don't have it now, I can't go repeat it, but... In the volume book is written to me to do thy will, O God. I delight to do thy will, O God. You got the point? Okay, and closing is this, so you'll know where we are. In an ultimate sense, you're going to see it. But right now, judgment has already taken place at the cross. And right now, there is an opening of his book inside of you. Jesus is standing inside of you, opening the scroll, the life of the Lamb. And when you delight in it, when you delight in the will of God, then what comes forth is simply a revelation of Jesus. His glory is manifest in flesh in you. The Word has become flesh, and of His fullness have we received. Paul said that He might be revealed in me. Now, here's the awesome thing about it, okay? I wish I had time. It talks about receive with meekness in James 1. Receive with meekness the engrafted word that's able to save your soul. Let it be implanted inside of you. When you go forth, you have to behold him as in a mirror. You have to see Jesus. You have to get in the word of God. You have to understand that he's unfolding his word inside of you. You have to see him. You go from glory to glory. As you read this mirror, you behold your natural face as in a mirror. What is in there? You behold your Genesis face. You see your new man. You see your new birth man. Your noble man. Your redeemed man in the mirror. And if you do that, then what's going to happen is you will manifest Jesus. But it, the only way that you can go out and live like you used to live is if you forget what manner of man you saw in the mirror if you forget the noble man you saw 
redeemed man you saw. The honorable man you saw in the mirror. That's the only way that from your book comes forth all kinds of things that are beastly and carnal and fleshly. But as long as you keep beholding your newness, keep seeing Jesus, let him unfold his word inside of you. You are changed from glory to glory into the same image. You understand what I'm trying to tell you here? First Timothy 3, 16, great is the mystery of godliness. Are y'all getting tired? How long have I been? Hour and 45 minutes? Let me get an hour and 24 minutes? Hour and 44 minutes. Breaking all the rules. First Timothy 3, 16 talks about great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. That's not just about Jesus coming. That's not just a one God scripture. Great is the mystery of godliness. There's two mysteries. Watch. Now listen. Colossians 1.25. Mystery is Christ in you, the hope of glory. <laughs> if you're operating under that mystery, it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. There is another mystery. It's called the mystery of iniquity. That's Antichrist. If you're operating under that mystery, what comes forth is a manifestation of Antichrist. See what I'm saying? Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. What happens is, when you walk in obedience to the word of God, there is a godliness that comes forth out of you, and it's God manifest in you. Godliness is when God is manifested in and through you. The holy ones, the saints sing the song. Does it make sense to you? That's not just a one God scripture. That's teaching you a mystery of Christ in you. The hope of glory. Godliness. God is godly. And when you operate under the mystery of Christ in you, the hope of glory. Watch. There is a manifestation of God in your life. That people see in your life is godliness. But you can't do it on your own. You have to let him open the book inside of you. And what you do is yield. What you is do is delight in that will. And then when you see his face, all kinds of stuff start breaking out. All kinds of judgments take place. But that's good. Because what he's doing is he's getting rid of that other mystery. The mystery of iniquity out of us. Okay. Turn the cameras off. I'm done. I don't know if you got anything I said today. But it's not my job to, to be the, the, the speaker and the receiver at the same time. That's impossible. I can't stand up here and speak and then go down here and sit down and receive for you. I can't do that. I can't eat for you. I can't drink for you. I can't sleep for you. I can't. You got to eat for yourself, drink for yourself, sleep for yourself. Okay? So I, I gave you the meal, you know. 
I ate. I ate. I ate. Now you got to eat, okay? And meditate. Take what you learn, the parts that you learn, because it's only in part. It's like a vast ocean. There's no way, no way I can bring you the ocean this morning. It's a vast ocean. Take the little drops of water that fell into your spirit today. Take them. Read them. Develop them. Grow in them yourself. Because God wants to manifest himself in you. The word made flesh. Love you. God bless you. You are dismissed in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. See you tonight.